You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and fully loaded chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the old Nine Finger Chronicles. Still got nine. Haven't, hasn't grown, grown back yet. Uh, we got a good episode today. And I'm going to tell you, it's interesting because we have a first on today's episode. And I'm pretty sure it is the first time we have ever had a success story come out of Rhode Island, the smallest state in the union. And uh, today we're going to be talking with a gentleman named Tyler Minton. And Tyler talks about a successful bow hunt in Pennsylvania, a successful bow hunt in Massachusetts, a successful bow hunt in Rhode Island. Uh, uh, the, The podcast is heavily Rhode Island focused just because I, you know, I bet you if you were to list out all the 46 states that have a whitetail hunting season, they would people would probably pick Rhode Island dead last. I, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody other than this episode talk about Rhode Island and deer hunting. So uh, we've talked about New England as a whole, but never specifically Rhode Island. So that's where the line of questioning kind of uh, goes just because I'm so curious about that state. And uh, so that that's what today's uh, uh, episode is about. We talk about hunting strategy. Uh, we talk about the terrain, the ecosystem that these animals live in and uh, all that good stuff. So just like uh, we always do, we got to do some quick commercials here. Huge shout out to all the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to run through them real quick. Hunt Stand, uh, please go out and support Hunt Stand, HuntStand.com. Lone Wolf, some changes coming up with Lone Wolf, and I'll explain that uh, later. Uh, If you want a uh, discount code 9FC21, and that's going to save you 50% off of all purchases over $200. And then... uh, 
uh, wasp broadheads, nine fingers, 2021. That's the number nine, followed by the word fingers, 2021. Ozonics, NFC21. That's going to get you a free dry wash bag with a purchase of, uh, of one of their units. And then, of course, our other, other partners, Vortex, Optics, Exodus Trail Cameras, and Excalibur Crossbows. Um, once once we get into the new year, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about all of these partners, uh, get you guys educated up on them again, and uh, uh, you know start talking about all the new products that that uh, these guys are coming out with on the hunting gear podcast side of things. So uh, stay tuned for that. Other than that, a trying to think if there's anything new in my life that I wanted to touch on real quick and it's just basically back to business uh it's shotgun season here in Iowa right now I uh, I'm watching I'm just watching a parade of orange vests walk in front of my trail camera pretty much every day if not every other day and it's just you know just uh, uh part of part of what happens here in Iowa I think today was the last day. I'm recording this on a Tuesday night. Uh, today was the last day of the first season, and then I think this next weekend kicks off second season. That's uh, two, a weekend, a week, and then another weekend, and then that's over. Then we can get back to uh, uh, this late season hunting, which includes muzzleloader, muzzleloader hunting and uh, bow hunting. So I, I might pick up a... Uh, another tag if there is a shooter on trail camera i'm going to go through i'm going to check my trail cameras and uh do a little scouting see if i can't kick up uh, a shooter this late season and uh, if not i'm going to be working if i do i'll be doing a little hunting so that's what i got going on other than that i think we're good let's get into today's episode with taylor mitten Three, two, one. All right, on the show today, on the from the East Coast, Taylor Mitten. How we doing, man? Good, Dan. How are you? How's I'm everything going out in Iowa? It's going good. It's really windy out here today. Like so windy that I feel like my shingles are going to blow off my house. <laughs> That's funny, man. Because before you called, I, it was a loud noise. I was like, oh man. Same thing. We're we're going through some high winds out here as well. Gotcha. All right, so. <laughs> First off, before we get into the story, why don't you let everybody know where do you live and what do you do for a living? So uh, I live in Massachusetts, the south coast of Mass. Uh, I work for a trucking and construction company. I'm a parts manager there. And um, yeah, so I hunt. uh, I, I do a couple trips. Well, one trip to Pennsylvania for opening day every year. And then I come back and hunt mass. And uh, for the second year now, I uh, purchased a Rhode Rhode Island tag. And um, I was actually able to fill one of my buck tags in Rhode Island this season so far. So pretty pumped about that. Okay, this is where it gets cool. This is a first. I'm almost positive. I'm almost positive. (laughs) You are the first person I've ever had on this podcast to talk about hunting in Rhode Island. Wow, what yeah. an honor, man. Yeah, I, I think. I'm almost, I'm almost positive. So the, the, the first thing, I, I guess, let's talk about the order uh, that this this all went down this season, right? So talk to me yeah. what state you went to first, what state you went to second, and then third. Okay, so uh, I open. Uh, it's been a tradition for the last four years. Um, I go 
I have a friend that has quite a bit of land out in Pennsylvania. He um, does quite a bit of management, food plots and stuff. So that's much different hunting for me compared to the suburban type hunting that we have to do here in the East Coast for the most part. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, that's why I really enjoy. It's only a four-hour trip, and it gives you almost like a Midwest-type feel, yeah. um, especially to how we have to hunt in my area. So that's where I started off the season. Um, I think it was October 2nd, a Saturday, first Saturday of the month in October. The season starts and chased you around there for a couple days. I think I killed my buck on a Wednesday okay. out there. Um, uh, so... <clears throat> so that hunt, um, uh, good. Well, the weather, uh, the last few years I've had great weather, opening day, nice cold front. Um, I haven't filled the tag on opening day yet, but, um, good cold front that lasted the beginning part of the season out there. Uh, first couple days of the season. And I was able to get it done pretty quick. The last couple of years this year, the weather was, you know, didn't cooperate as much. Um, pretty stagnant temperatures you know 50s 60s um but after a couple of days of chasing these deer around made a couple moves and then um was able to connect with uh, about a 120 or class eight pointer yeah. um which i was very pleased with and so yeah so you mentioned that this this pennsylvania hunt has kind of a midwest feel to it and uh, compared to you know where you hunt in massachusetts and rhode island and whatever but what are the differences i mean how do the deer behave different you know versus you know where you're hunting in in mass versus where you're hunting in pa so uh, that's a great question because i feel like um the deer in pennsylvania i so in mass it's um it's so hard that's why i was uh, very excited to get to share like my hunting experiences on a podcast like this because hunting the East coast and Massachusetts and Rhode Island are so different than hunting um, Pennsylvania or the Midwest. And some of the reasons why are like when I hunt in Pennsylvania, um, you know, I, I could maybe rattle at a deer or um, have better luck calling where in Massachusetts it's kind of hit or miss. Um, so that uh, that's one example. Um, you know, I feel my opinion is um, I'm hunting deer um, and deer are doing like deer things. You know, they're, they're fighting. I see deer sparring in a food plot or, um, you know, there are runs to the ground, you know, you know, down to the mud where in Massachusetts you will find these, you will come across these things, but they're not as, um, as common as, okay when I hunt Pennsylvania. Gotcha. So Pennsylvania, the deer are, are on more of a, like a, a bed bedding area to food source pattern on the, on the farm that you hunt. And then out in yes. outward, you know, further East, it's more of a, they just kind of roam all over the place. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, this year was a little different in Pennsylvania because they had uh, such a good acorn crop. Um, so I was hunting oaks most of the time. Um, and seeing a lot of activity in the oaks, that's where the cameras were telling us to be. However, I did kill in this, I did end up killing the deer in a food plot. Um, you know, and in mass, we, we have very little farms. It's very rare that you would be able to hunt a, a food plot or a cornfield or any type of agriculture. So it's more 
um, hunting in Mass, Rhode Island is more, um, I mean, acorns are everything, brows, um, priors. Those are the things that you really have to uh, key in on as food sources compared to Pennsylvania, where it's more of, um, yeah, you know, food plots and just egg, like, are you hunting uh, in an egg area where there's a lot of egg involved? Correct. Okay, correct. yeah, correct. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right, so, all right, so you went out to Pennsylvania on a on a buddy's farm. You found success there. Uh, just out of, out of curiosity, you know, you mentioned that the deer were they were on acorns. Um, did they yep. were they hitting the food those food plots at all in October, or were they strictly on the acorn crop. So, you know, they were, I mean, more strictly on the acorn crop. Um, yeah. I, I'm kind of contradicting myself because, uh, you know, my buddy planted a food plot that's kind of right in the middle of an Oak Ridge, um, way back into the timber. So that's, it was a small, probably quarter acre food plot that I was able to kill this deer off of. But, um, for the most part, I did not. Sit, that night was the first night I sit. Uh, I sat on a, a food plot. Other than that, I was uh, on oaks in the timber. Okay, gotcha. Man, I tell you what, it's crazy to me, and I don't know how much experience you have. You know, it sounds like you go to PA every year, but how a good acorn crop can really keep deer out of any type of wide open spaces. Like they will stay in the timber and they won't come out because they don't need to come out. <laughs> Oh, you're right, man. I mean, it was uh, based off the camera intel that my my buddy was, you know, we were we were receiving. Um, the, the food plots were dry, and I've uh, talking to and listening to podcasts that seemed like a um, kind of a theme uh, throughout even the country during this season. Um, there was a seemed like a good mass crop throughout. You know, obviously that varies in region and stuff, but. For the most part, it did seem like the deer was staying in the timber because they didn't have to come out. They could be in cover and eat and go back to bed. And Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, let's let's go to Rhode Island. Like I said, this, okay. this is a, a state that I, I bet if you talked to people to line up, hey, what state it has the best deer hunting? And I'm not yeah. saying that Rhode Island doesn't have uh, good deer hunting because I have I know nothing about it. But what I'm getting at is it's <laughs> Rhode Island. Like people look yeah. over Rhode Island <laughs> just because of it's the smallest, uh, you know, the smallest uh, state in the union. And so my question to you is, is like, why did you decide to say, hey, I want to go see what hunting is like in Rhode Island? <laughs> so... Um easy question like the easiest answer is uh massachusetts does not allow sunday hunting being a working man yep. rhode island um has sunday hunting their season ex- starts mid-september and runs through the end of january so just as being a whitetail nut trying to be out in the woods as much as possible uh last year i tagged out early and I had a good year in mass and i just wanted to extend my hunting um I live about 30 minutes from the Rhode Island border, 45 minutes from a, um, several different uh, public um, uh, management areas uh, that I've scouted previously. And it was just, you know, the tags weren't too much money, and it was just a way that uh, 
I could extend my hunting, just trying to be out in the woods and learn as much yeah. as I can. And there's nothing I enjoy more than going to a new place and trying to figure it out. Yeah. All right. So, so you, you drop down to Rhode Island. I mean, when, when I go to out of state place, you know, when I go to out of state, I, yep. uh, I don't know. I, I do a lot of e-scouting. Yes. Can you e-scout on, uh, cause I, I feel like Rhode Island is so small. You could shoot your boat. You could shoot an arrow across it. Right. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. like, what is it like, uh, 50 by a hundred miles or something like that? A, a little bit bigger, but yeah, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it's, yep. it's not, not a big state and, um, you know, surprisingly they have quite a bit of, uh, management areas that, you know, are very similar landscape to what I hunt in mass being that it's so close. So yes, Rhode Island is out of state for me. However, the terrain and everything is so similar to what I hunt in Massachusetts. Hunting there is, yeah, of course it's hunting out of state, but it's not like I'm going to, you know, somewhere where I have to learn how to hunt this, you know, every area you have to learn how to hunt, but I'm not going to a completely different landscape where I have to figure out how, you know, what these deer are, are doing because it's so similar to what I hunt in Massachusetts, gotcha. at least the area, the management area that I, um, hunt, ha, have been hunting. Gotcha. So you're, you're familiar with the, the terrain because it's the same terrain that you hunt in Massachusetts. So it's just a matter, Correct. it's just a matter of showing up and, and scouting and looking for deer sign. Yes, of course. You know, okay. figure. You know, I, I hunt uh, a mix of um, public and private, and you know how uh, public land hunting is. You got to figure out what the humans are doing just as much as the animals, yeah. and um, kind of go from there. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I really try to key in on out um, when I'm looking for places, new places to hunt, or is uh, the thickest, nastiest swamps. Um, I, I'm sure that's anywhere, but Massachusetts. That's uh, for me, that's a key that, uh, a sign that it will hold mature deer or a good number of deer, hopefully, you know, some of them being mature. Um, and through, uh, you know, my years of hunting, I've had great success locating these swamps and then getting there, scouting them and trying to put a plan to, in place to, uh, hunt them. Gotcha. So let's talk about this terrain, uh, in, in Rhode Island yep. and, also, kind of throw in there because I, I was—I just was looking at, at a map of Rhode Island and Providence, yep. the the biggest city in Rhode Island, I believe, <laughs> takes up yep. like one third of the state already. So, like that—that that in the—that <laughs> yeah. in the suburbs. So, how how are you? You have a small state. You have yep. a, a, a a really good population, a, a, like a big population. You know, it's right right there uh, by Providence. So number one, yep. what is what is the terrain? Walk us through that, and then talk to us a little bit about the actual hunting pressure there, because the state state is so small. Okay, so with you know the same thing you're assuming, and that Rhode Island is such a small place, and who would hunt there? Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of hunting pressure. Um, you know, if I go to a management area on a Saturday, I might see you know, less than a handful of trucks, two to three. For the most part, during bow season, uh, 
I've never run into anybody else actually while hunting. Um, we have a couple week shotgun season and that gets hammered pretty hard. I usually stay out of the woods during those few weeks. So I don't know the pressure during that time, but for most part, for the most part in Massachusetts and Rhode Island during bow season, if you do your homework, you're not running into a whole lot of, um, a whole lot of pressure, which is very nice. Yeah. That's cool. Like I, uh, I, I thought, I thought it was going to be the opposite. I think I thought that yeah. because it was a small state with a big yep. population that you it would just be compounded pressure because of the 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 I don't know the 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 less area to hunt. Well, you know, and that's completely understandable and what's, you know, the crazy thing about being out here is you know, like at work, I'm known as the deer hunter because I'm at a, let's say a company of 500 people, you know, that I might, I'm the most serious guy, you know, deer hunter in the company. You know, there are other guys that might go out once or twice or, you know, every other year, or you know, go to a deer camp for the weekend. But, um, you know, the hunting number, the, the numbers of hunters in our region is just dwindling and it's, uh, not dwindling cause I don't know what it was compared to you know years ago so that's not i don't know if it's dwindling but it's just you know it's a a urban place and you know like you pointed out that providence the city of providence takes up one third of rhode island most people that live in the cities for the most part you know usually aren't hunting and you know it's unfortunate and stuff but that's good for you man kind of how it is yeah Yeah. you know so it, it can lead to some to some good hunting now you know i don't know public land you know there are certain spots that i'm sure you know off a field edge or something there's not a whole lot of ag if any out here but there are you know some clear cuts that the state will come do and in my experience off a you know a field edge you'll have a stand you know 20 stands on you know covering the field edge but you know other in those overlooked um spots or swamps or deep back into the timber you can really get away from people and uh, have some good hunts oh heck yeah man that's awesome all right so yeah talk to us about this terrain you know how, how they okay. live how they move what they eat so <clears throat> i'll talk about uh the hunt in rhode island so um i was walking in to uh off a man-made trail part of the management area and it's so I'm walking in on a trail where it's thick swamp on both sides of me, and um, there's several benches that the trail will go on top of, and then on top of the bench, on each side, it will be um, thick swamp. So that this was one of the spots that I had marked on um, on my mapping uh, device that I that I wanted to check out, and on this hunt. I was actually walking in and I didn't even make it to um, my location. I was walking in and I bumped some does and they were kind of like lingering around the way I wanted to go up on the bench. Cause up on the bench uh, I, you know, I had a good view on each side of the swamp and it seemed like the deer would run the bottoms of this bench um, you know, cruising, looking for going to doe bedding areas during the rut. So that's just why I chose, you know, yeah. I was hunting during this spot. Um, there was also, <clears throat> uh, in the spot that I picked out, there were several isolated oak trees. 
that uh, I was hoping, you know, maybe kept some does feeding on and then um, several different doe bedding areas that I was hoping to set up in a transition area, waiting for these bucks to come cruising through, scent checking these bedding areas during the middle of the day because that's the, I was seeing a lot of movement uh, from 10 to 2 during this time period. This was about, I, this was the second week of November that I was hunting uh, gotcha. on this hunt in Rhode Island. Gotcha. Okay. So with that said, then like, uh, is it, is it swamp all over the place or just in the low grounds? So the, the spot that I was, it was probably 300 acres of, of swamp. Um, there would be, it would break up some to, there would be like a hard edge, uh, from like, thick nasty swamp to like an oak flat or there would be some pines but for the most part for the most part this area that i picked was three to five hundred acres of of all swamp that was broken up by a couple you know there would be edges of a couple hundred yards of uh, like dry oak ridges or pines or you know there were several benches through this gotcha. through this swamp as well okay so high ground for them um yeah what uh where were they betting in relationship to where they were like getting up and moving to i mean because you've really described that there's the swamp then there's some benches and so that so that to me i don't know this is a guess but it creates a, yeah. it's creating some edge for them to feel comfortable yeah. in um are where where are they betting in relationship to all of this so from my experience um, there are these man-made trails that go through this swamp and they would go up on top of the benches or they would come on the trails that I came in on. And so they, those, I almost use those as like the areas that the, the deer, they wouldn't cruise, you know, exactly on the man-made trails, but off the trails they would cruise and they would be bedding, you know, several hundred yards into the swamp from what I've, from my previous scouting, yeah. um, they would just bed deeper into the swamp. They would use these trails or along these trails to 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 walk, you know, to travel because it wasn't as it was, they still had security cover, so the bucks felt com- comfortable moving through these trails or off of these trails. Um, but yeah, so from gotcha. my experience, they were just bedding deeper into the swamp, and I was trying to put myself. Um, on areas that I think that these bucks would be cruising through going from doe bedding areas to another. So I, these, these trails would separate, it would almost be like a plus sign. And, um, on each side of like the, the plus would be like, I would consider a different bedding area, not, you know, right off the trail, but further back. So that's where I um, tried to set up would be almost in like a crosshair of these different portions of the swamp that I would think they're betting in. Gotcha. Okay. So, so then are they heading up to eat like on the oak ridges or do they have other vegetation that they're, that they're eating or like what, what's driving them to, where are they, where are they going to then? Um, So what makes it kind of tricky is, up on these benches, there are several isolated oaks, and that that was my um, that's where I was headed this morning, the morning of this hunt. Um, however, the green uh, briars they seem to browse on quite a bit, and it's loaded with these throughout the swamp. 
so um, like last year, I was hunting a similar area, a similar situation, but in Massachusetts. And um, the, I was hunting in oak, you know, a couple, I was hoping to get some does um, on these oak flats. And they were staying into the thick, swampy area, eating uh, on these bri- green briars, okay. like a browse. Yeah. So, um, you know, the swamps littered with those. So I, you know, I, I use the oaks to hope, hopefully it helps. But just um, from from running cameras and my past experience on how these deer use the swamp, especially this time of year during the rut, it just seems like these bucks are very comfortable running off these trails where they have some cover. Um, and it seems like they just can go from bedding area to bedding area uh, checking for does. Yeah. All right. So what's the what's the deer quantity like out there? Uh, I mean, is it stacked with deer or is it? Low, average, where, where are you setting that at? So I would say quantity is probably average or above average. We So, for instance, in Rhode Island, when you purchase a license, you can buy two buck tags and up to five doe tags without having to apply for them. So you buy your license and then... You can buy one buck tag, no doe tags, or you can buy two buck tags and up to five doe tags. So um, we have, with the urban type of hunting, along with the lack of hunters, um, we we have a good number of deer. You know, there's a healthy population of deer in my area. Yeah. All right. So what about quality? Like if you were out in Rhode Island, right, what is a... What's a what's a deer that hunters out there get excited about? And you can you can use mass as a reference as well. So I would say, um, if you're killing anything over 120 inches every year, you you know you are considered a well above average hunter. Um, you know, the, I killed a seven point, probably a 110 inch deer in Rhode Island, um, and I was pumped. I had little expectations. Uh, I was telling myself I would shoot any uh, legal buck out there. Um, I, I wouldn't shoot a baby or anything, obviously, but um, I wasn't holding a, a high expectation for myself. Um, but Matt, you know, this. With that being said, we also produce the also really nice deer being killed um, out of my area as well. It's 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 crazy the deer that uh, some people are pulling out of these neighborhoods and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> And that's, uh, is this, is this one of those, um, would you, would you call the, the areas that you're hunting in Rhode Island and mass that, that urban style hunting that you see like on the YouTube channels? For the most part. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I would, I would definitely say so. I mean, um, you know, for instance, I have, you know, a couple spots where like, you know, I kind of got to hide getting dressed outside my truck in my buddy's backyard because, you know, if someone saw me, you know, one of the neighbors saw me, they would probably call the police, even though I'm not, do- you know, I'm entering private land, but it's, it's just so different um, out here. Hunting is not um, accepted the way it is in other places and yeah. it can be frowned upon and it, it makes it tough to do this type of, um, you know, urban hunting at times. But if you put in the work and, you figure out how to access these places and you can really, uh, you can kill some really nice deer. Yeah. All right. So, uh, 
kind of going back to Rhode Island, you know, yep. you're, 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 you have ground to hunt in mass. I mean, you've lived there, you live, you know, you, you've been, you've hunting that you've hunted that state for a while, but when you go into another state, neighboring state, and it's again, it's one of these, you mentioned not hunting isn't accepted. How do you go about gaining permission on some of these, uh, private pieces or did you hunt mostly public ground? So I hunt a, a mix of both. Um, one, uh, so I, the construction company I work for is a well-known, um, you know, company in my region. So a lot of access that I, I make hydraulic hoses. So a lot of access that I've received has been from, I'm making a hose for a gentleman, you know, that has a tractor, a loader, or some type of equipment, and they're usually more understanding because um, they're, you know, more apt to be in the outdoors or around this, you know, uh, been around hunters before. So I've gained a lot of access through through work in that way. Um, but as far as like, you know, knocking on doors, I just try to be as polite as I can. I write letters. Um, I try to send it with like, you know, my work. Uh, I, um, like letterhead and stuff so they can kind of know a little bit about me. And I hope, you know, my biggest thing is, especially out here, I don't want to, uh, contact someone and think I'm trying to sell them something or, you know, asking for hunting permission is hard enough. So I try to you know, do something that maybe they can have some from, from be familiar with. And, um, that's how I try to gotcha. gain access. Yeah. And, and what's the response that you get from people? I mean, so do you send a, a letter first, then follow up with a phone call or a knock on their door? Or is it just a straight knock at the door, hand them a letter? How's that work? So every year um, during the off season, I probably send out about 40 letters. I give it a month or two to wait to see if I hear anything back. And if it's property that I would really like to... Um, to hunt i'll go knock on the door uh the success rate is probably 10 to 20 percent and with that being said it seems to me that so we have a in massachusetts we have a two-week shotgun season and uh, it gets pretty hectic because we have a small state not a whole lot of uh public ground and you know guys are doing drives and stuff which there's absolutely no problem with that however in our region, it can be, you know, you can see how that can become problematic. So almost every no that I've received has been from a, oh, I used to let this gentleman hunt, but uh, my my barn got shot or uh, somebody was shooting at my dog. They thought it was a coyote. So those are the type of answers. It's n- normally not just a hard no, I'm against hunting. It's a, a prior situation that has um, stemmed them away from, you know, geared them away from allowing other hunters to come back. A negative situation, which is, you know, unfortunate because it, it's, it's not how, you know, all hunters are. Yeah. So what about the, um, so what about, let's say, like uh, uh, someone who you, you, you say, hey, but I'm a, I'm a bow hunter. I don't gun hunt. Yes. Have have you had any, and then talk to him a little bit about bow hunting. Do they ever say, oh, okay, and then and then have given you a chance because they, they understand that you're not a gun hunter and that, 
you know, animals have to be close enough. I can identify them. I'm not going to shoot your dog. I'm not going to shoot your barn with a bow, that kind of stuff. Yes, that has definitely made a big difference. And on one of my best properties, <clears throat> a situation uh, that the gentleman had a negative situation. And uh, after I talked to him, met him, came back, talked to him for a second time, got more familiar with him, better explained um, that I'm a bow hunter. I take it serious. You know, on my business card at work, I have a deer on it. I gave that to him. You know, I try to do these little things to just try to aid um, you know, show credibility to being a hunter and a human. And, um, you know, every person that has given me permission, they always end up texting me before the season to make sure I'm hunting because, you know, some advice for anybody, no matter where you are. And, and as you know, Dan, and stuff that you do is if someone gives you permission, I mean, you know, it's almost like they're giving you gold, you know, you, you want to be very respectful. And if, someone gives offers me permission i'm offering whatever i can do to them you know to help them in return and that's been something that's uh you know made my relationships that i have with the landowners um very successful and good and um has kept me on some of these properties that i have gained permission on that's awesome man um so like you're it, it it's it's part of what you do now Right. I mean, it's like yes. for me, I don't I like I don't do do the the letter writing, the knocking on doors, like hunting the small pieces. I, I guess I haven't had yep. to do that. Um, the public yep. thing, you know, Iowa has very little like what I I'll, I'll just say this. What I like about this, uh, what I like about this podcast is getting to talk to people from coast to coast who hunt the same animal white-tailed deer and they do it so yep. differently right it's completely different than than what uh, uh it's what amazing you do. yeah and the and the crazy thing about this is your massachusetts deer that you shot and the the rhode island deer were from the ground correct so actually every deer um in the last three years that i've killed has been from the ground um to be honest with you when i started like seriously hunting about five years like getting back into seriously hunting as an adult and doing it on my own um you know i didn't from being out here i didn't have a great mentor to hey uh let me go show you how to hang a stand or to do this or you know to do things the right way so it was kind of like i mentioned to you previously like i literally like relearned how to be a successful and you know become like a whitetail addict from listening to podcasts and just indulging myself in all this information so to be to be honest in the beginning i just didn't know how to put up a damn stand so yeah. i just started taking a chair with me and uh i started having great success and you know now of course i have stands i have a climber i hang and hunt but um during the rut man i just uh I, i'll have a, a climber and uh but i've just been hunting off the ground and i've uh the way i can read sign and just set up and move around if i need to um, it's really been working for me and, uh, you know, that's just been what's working for me and I'm yeah. sticking to it. I love it. Well, it's awesome because you don't have to worry about the whole tree stand or the saddle part of it. You just, <laughs> you hunt without all that extra gear, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. so did you used to hunt out of a tree stand or did you never hunt out of a tree stand? 
No, I've hunted out of a tree stand. Uh, I mean, growing up, none of my family um, were big hunters. So growing up, I hunted with a friend uh, that him and his father were big whitetail hunters. And I learned from them and went on hunts with them. Um, and I've I've hung tree stands myself. And I have stands out um, now as well. It's just uh, so, you know, with me, I would go out. And if I'm not comfortable or if I'm stressed out or if, something's in the back of my mind keeping me from being at my best. And, um, that holds me down just to be honest. And what worked for me is just going out with that damn chair and, uh, finding sign and setting up on it. And, uh, you know, that was what made me the most comfortable. And with that resulted in, you know, finding success, hunting them from the ground. So, uh, you know, in a, in a tree stand, we have to be, you know, we can get away with a little bit of movement. Right in, oh, in, in certain scenarios, but when yep. you're when you're on eye level with them, how does that strategy change? I mean, how how do you know when to draw? How do you know you know what position they need to be in in order for you to to get drawn back and, and let an arrow go? So, my perfect setup on the ground is to be on a small hill, a little bench. Um, if I can elevate myself almost to that, like, uh, not being in a stand, but if I can elevate beyond a slight elevation, that is, like, that's what I'm looking for. If not, I like to set up next to a tree, a blowdown, um, some brush that I'll just cut my, you know, cut a little, uh, you know, opening for myself to uh, get into. Um, when I'm on the ground, I always want to make sure I have my face mask on just to break up, like, the, you know, the white face. Um, and you kind of just gotta, if, you know, that's why I like to have a tree, um, that helps when it comes to drawing, um, kind of way you just gotta, every situation is so different, but those are the things that I, um, look to and look for when trying to find a ground setup. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I tell you what, I, when I was in uh, South Dakota, it was all ground hunting out there and you know, there was a heavy deer. I mean, there wasn't a lot of cover, um, out there. So we had to make a a homemade ground blind out of tumbleweeds. And, and, uh, I cut a branch (laughs) off of a tree and put it along a fence and basically as the backdrop. And then we, we were in the shade, we weren't in a ground blind per se, but we were in the shade of that fence that, uh, and, and I, luckily I got, uh, I got, uh, to have a shot at one, but man, do you do you see yourself ever you know now that you're comfortable with hunting from the ground do you ever see yourself going back to tree stand hunting oh yeah of course i mean i do and that's just uh you know at times you you do got to make yourself uncomfortable to take your you know your skills that's how i feel to take your skills to the next level if you're just going to stay comfortable forever um i feel like you'll probably be stagnant um so I'm, I'm always, I always have a, a climber, a set of sticks in, the, in my truck. Um, and if I know that's what I need to do in order to kill, the, kill a deer I'm looking for or a situation that's just calling out, hey, I, I can't get this done for the ground, on the ground, I'm going to uh, you know, get up in a tree. I'm not opposed to that at all. I've just, I, I, I haven't had to get up in the tree for, to be successful so far. Um, yeah. the last couple of years and, um, 
you know, I, I, you know, when you're on the ground and you, you know how it is, then when even just having an encounter with those or young bucks at 15 yards and they don't know you're there and they keep going and you did your job right, you played the wind, you, you know, picked a good set. Yeah. Um, to me, that's just as good as, uh, you know, harvesting an animal. Um, you know, that, uh, that's that's what it's all about to me man yeah absolutely well i tell you what man um congratulations on in pa so you shot one deer in pa two in massachusetts and one in rhode island right yes okay so how many tags do you have left before the season's over so i have i purchased one more buck tag in rhode island um it's the shotgun season going on right now, so I've taken a two-week break, and I'm, you know, going stir crazy, going nuts, not being in the woods for two weeks. But um, after this coming weekend, I will be back in the woods trying to uh, chase down a big one in Rhode Island and uh, see if I can come across something else out there. Um, as far as Massachusetts, I got one uh, doe tag left that, um, you know, uh, I, I like to share meat with uh, people out here because there aren't a lot of hunters so that's one thing I really take pride in is uh, you know sharing what we do and our harvest with non-hunters to try to just bring light um, to what we do and we're not just you know jerks killing animals so yep. uh, that's something that means a lot to me and I try to do so um, I try to fill my tags um, more so for that purpose so I can share with others and you know just try to bring light to what we do in this region of awesome. great Massachusetts. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Well, congratulations on that. Sounds like you got a, a full freezer and plenty of uh, meat to eat yourself and, and uh, to share. So, uh, yep. congratulations on a on a great uh, you know on a great season and good luck the rest of the season. Thanks, Dan. I, I really appreciate you having me on, man. Getting to you know bring some light to this region of the country and uh, means a lot to me. I appreciate you and everything you're doing, buddy. And there you have it, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Taylor. Uh, thanks for taking time out of your day. Congratulations on one hell of a season, dude. Three bucks, or no, four bucks, because I think he said he shot two and two bucks in Massachusetts, one in Rhode Island, one in Pennsylvania. My my best year is two bucks. I'm coming off of my best year. You know, one in Iowa and one in uh, one in Iowa and one here in in uh, South Dakota, or one in South Dakota and one here in Iowa. And, uh, dude, I'm pretty jacked. I'm looking at both those racks right now here in my office. Other than that, uh, huge shout-out to Hunt Stand, Lone Wolf, Wasp, Ozonix, Vortex, Exodus, and Excalibur. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Other than that, uh, be good to each other. Be kind. Be safe. Good vibes in. Good vibes out. Wear your safety harness. All that good stuff. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.